Well, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to pod. Here on 99 Pod, it's going down today. It's not 1999 anymore podcast, and you know what we do here on the show because we do it every week. And now we shall speak. So let it be written. So let it be done. Lil Shadamas is on the mic, and it's going down today because week two of the NFL is in the books. And I need y'all to like and subscribe to the channel right now because it's going down, man. Listen, we got a lot of content coming your way. For those of y'all NBA fans and boxing fans, we got some content soon on the way. Obviously, when the NBA season gets closer, we'll dive into some you know content over there. But for right now, the main primary focus is what's going on in the NFL because there's a lot of things going on in the NFL. And we're going to get into it today. We got some hot topics. We got some burning topics. And I'm looking forward to drop it right now drop it like it's hot according to snoop dogg anyway what's going on my guy I got my guy zach in the building zach how you feeling what's going on well i'm doing well happy to be here as always and i think it really hit me getting ready for this show hopping on with you right now that man the nfl is here uh, a crazy doubleheader last night you know i don't really know what the right word is to describe both those games but they were both competitive and i know we were both locked in a lot of other things to get to uh, from week number two as well. I feel like with week one after sometimes it's, you know, overreaction Monday and you've only seen your team play one game. You're trying to figure out whether to overreact or whether to panic. And then in week two, a lot of times it goes in the opposite direction. So there are already a couple things that I saw week one that it's like, eh, okay, based on what I saw from week two, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not, but uh, we just have so much to talk about. Happy to be here as always. And uh, yeah, let's get to it. And before we kick off here on this show, we are on Spotify, not 1999 anymore. We are on iHeartMedia, same name. We are on social media, 99pod on Instagram. We are also on TikTok, Real Lil TV, YouTube, Real Lil TV, and we are on Apple. So it's time for us to get this show started because it's going down with our first topic, as you see at the bottom of the screen. It's time to talk about the game last night, the Monday night football game. The question that we have is, can the Cleveland Browns still challenge for the postseason despite losing Nick Chubb to a season-ending injury? And Zach, if you want to kick us off, the mic is yours. Yeah, well, before I answer the question and get into everything we saw last night, I first just wanted to say, man, like, I feel awful for Nick Chubb. It's another reminder that football, as much as we love it, as much as we love the game, it could be a brutal game sometimes. And we've had a lot of conversations when it comes to the running back and their positional value. And if teams are making the right decisions about whether to invest in them or not. But one thing we could definitely agree on is Nick Chubb is a premier top-notch football player and the NFL is just not going to be as good without him. So we hope to see him make a speedy recovery as soon as possible. But this is obviously a big loss for the Cleveland Browns. And my big question with the Cleveland Browns going into the season was. I felt like at times towards the back end of last year when Deshaun Watson returned from his suspension, it was always very clear to me that if this Browns team wanted to win games, the best way for them to do it would just be to ride Nick Chubb because he's that good. Their offensive line, it's gotten worse a little bit each year since they had the consensus best line in the league when they were uh, going into Pittsburgh and winning playoff games in 2020. But it's not as good as it is right now, but Chubb is a difference maker. He's that good, and he is one of the rare, true, like, bell cow backs remaining in the league. And the fact that Cleveland doesn't have him now, it's a huge loss. But I thought that at times last year, uh, when Watson came back from suspension, Kevin Stefanski 
it seemed like he was prioritizing showing off his new quarterback that they just paid a lot of money to when it was clear to me like that wasn't their best formula to win. And I thought last night, even a little bit at times, as good of a, a start to the game as Chubb had, Stefanski could have used him even more. And now all of a sudden he's just out of the picture for the rest of the season. He's done. And that's a massive loss. And now all of a sudden for the Cleveland Browns, I think that if they want to win games with this team, they're going to have to rely on Deshaun Watson. And for the amount of money they're they're giving him for the fact that they gave up three uh, first round picks to acquire him, that shouldn't sound like some kind of crazy statement. But the guy I watched last night, again, is just not the same guy that the Cleveland Browns thought they were getting. He's not the same guy that he was in Houston anymore. And I just think there were many different instances in that game last night where that was just obvious. And it's funny because Jerome Ford, the the other running back for Cleveland, he made a couple big time plays. And I, I was thinking to myself, like, man, is is the does that still apply? Like, is Cleveland's best strategy to win games is just running the football and just riding him? But I don't know if Kevin Stefanski is going to be doing that for a, a rookie running back that they just took in the fourth round when he has Deshaun Watson. So basically, what I'm saying is, I think the Cleveland Browns have a Deshaun Watson problem, and that's going to be exposed even more without their star running back. Yeah, definitely. Um, if I could respond, you know, I do have thoughts on the Nick Chubb situation that I'm going to save for my second lap go around. I don't really want to make this a long gated take. Now, I am going to focus on this question in my first lap and um, talk about Deshaun Watson, the Browns and the game last night. And for me to start us off, I think I would say, Yes, they can make the postseason if Deshaun Watson reverts back to that guy that the Browns invested in with the 230 fully, you know, guaranteed dollars. So if he could return back to that Deshaun Watson that they wanted to go out and gamble for, then they could still make the postseason. Now, last week on this very show, I said that the Deshaun Watson, you know, he didn't have to be that guy from Houston last week, right? Because Unlike in Houston, he had the top-notch offensive line. He had the top-notch running back in Nick Chubb. And I didn't think he had to be Houston Deshaun Watson because, you know, he didn't have to be because he is not the guy that the offense is running through. It's running through Nick Chubb. With this injury now, I'm going to say he has to be that guy at the very minimum for this team to have a shot to make the postseason, that Houston guy that we once thought of. And another thing, too, is Deshaun Watson is just going to have to learn how to play the villain role. For so many years, Deshaun Watson was on his way to becoming the poster boy of the NFL because of what we've seen in college in Clemson, how he dominated the Alabama defense, which is pretty historic. All the NFL players that got drafted from that team and, you know, winning a national championship against them. I never thought that that could have been done against Alabama. Matter of fact, Alabama reminded me of The Undertaker at WrestleMania. They don't lose in the big game. And he defeated them. He slayed them. And when he got drafted to the Houston Texans, I mean, he was one of the top quarterbacks leading the league in passing yards with no number one wide receiver. He was becoming the poster child for the NFL until everything happened with the allegations, civil lawsuits and all that that required him to be suspended for a year, not adding the year that he sat out because of his trade request. Now, a lot of people don't like this guy. He's not getting calls by the referee, if y'all notice, right? I'm noticing everything. He's not getting no calls. 
All right, fans are booing him. People hate Deshaun Watson now. And it doesn't help when you're grabbing people's face masks and you're pushing the referee out the way. Now you just bought a ticket to being the villain of the NFL. With that comes a lot of responsibility. You're going to get everybody's best shot, okay? So you're going to have to learn how to play with that villain role and try to win that way. And we'll see if he can. Now, you know, when I look at this AFC North, there's a couple things, right? You talk about the Bengals. They probably are the most disappointed team right now in the NFL. And um, there's concern. Obviously, we'll talk about that later on. Um, Next, rather. You also look at the Ravens. I am still loading data on the Ravens. Now, they look good in week two, right? But week one, they was out of sync. And the preseason, they punted that away. So I am downloading data as we speak on the Ravens. So I'm not going to overreact to week two. The Steelers cannot generate any offense, okay? Kenny Pickett has regressed, and they cannot run the football at all. And that was supposed to be their strength. So their strengths are now becoming weaknesses, and their weaknesses are still remaining weaknesses over there. And when you talk about how they really won this game, they won this game because the defense made more plays in the Browns' defense. They sacked Deshaun Watson six times. They forced three turnovers, and they took two to the house, defensive touchdowns. And they only won by four points. Translation, the Browns handed that game away. And, you know, I'm not saying that to cut the Browns slack, but what I am saying is that around the Browns, it's really up for grabs still. And another thing with the Browns is they're going to have to learn how to play disciplinary football and not turn over the ball like they've been doing. These miscommunications, you know, these, you know, stealing throws that Deshaun Watson is throwing on the deep ball. They got to piece things up together. And the fact that they almost won this game, despite everything I just said, is why I'm not going to hit the panic button over there. As far as Nick Chubb, I'll get into him more. But they do have an opportunity to sign, re-sign Kareem Hunt or trade for Cam Makers. Hell, potentially trade for Jonathan Taylor and put this team right back in the mix of things in the North. And I'll leave us with that for now. So I think we're on the same page from the point of like, yeah, especially without Chubb, like if this Browns team wants to win games, they're going to need it to be because of their quarterback. But the issue for me was yesterday, Deshaun Watson was the reason they lost this game. One thing from a Browns perspective that was very encouraging to me was I was very impressed with their defense. Like their defense has always had a lot of talent, but for some reason it just has not been able to get the job done on the field. It's underachieved, but that is not the case anymore with Jim Schwartz. That was one of the better uh, coordinator hires of the offseason, and it's clear that that dude will have that defense ready to play, and I was very impressed with their efforts last night. But my problem is there is literally nothing that I've seen from Deshaun Watson in his 10 games in a Browns uniform that makes me think that the guy from Houston still exists. You, uh, I've spoke about it a lot on the show. You know this man is like, I thought the mental aspect of coming back from this was going to be a pretty big challenge. You saw the, the film of him before the game, like meditating with uh, someone from his team. I believe Troy Aikman uh, brought, that, brought that up uh, towards the back end of the game. And the Browns had the lead late in the fourth quarter, but then TJ Watt, uh, Highsmith with the strip sack, TJ Watt scoop and score, and we know the rest. I think when you look at the amount of money the Browns are paying him and the fact that they gave up three first-round picks to go get this guy, if this doesn't get any better, it could go down as one of not only the worst trades in the history of the NFL, but one of the worst contracts in the history of sports. I know we've had a lot of conversations about Russell Wilson and just how badly that contract is looking right now. 
for the Denver Broncos. But I think Deshaun Watson is worse considering how much money they guaranteed all of it. They gave up three first round picks to get him. And at least we've seen Russ make like a play here and there that said, okay, Russ from Seattle, maybe, just maybe there's still a flash or two that exists. I literally have not seen anything from Deshaun Watson that makes me think the guy from Houston is coming back anytime soon. And honestly, I I don't trust Kevin Stefanski. Like he has regressed since his first year in Cleveland. And I don't even know if he ever wanted Deshaun Watson anyway. That was a move that was made to me by Jimmy Haslam, their owner, and him only. So although the Browns defense played really well last night, and I do have some thoughts on the Steelers I'll get into in my next lap as well, I just thought considering how poorly the Browns offense played and they still had a chance to win and really bury the Steelers, that is a major missed opportunity. And one uh, other thing I'll throw out there, like the Browns have a home game this week against the Tennessee Titans. That's a game they should win. They're the more talented team. But am I really going to bet on Kevin Stefanski to beat a Mike Rabel coach team? I don't know. I'm not confident in that. Yeah, I think for me, Deshaun Watson got to play better. And I'm pretty sure he knows that. Are you confident that he will? We said? Are you confident that he will? Because I'm not. Um, I mean, that's fine. That's opinion talk, you know. And am I confident that he's going to get it back? Yes, kind of. I don't think he could be worse than what he has been so far. I think with time, he will be better than where he is because he's going to have to. And the offense is going to run through him now, sort of like how it was in Houston. You know, he was the guy. He was the number one guy on his team. And Nick Chubb was the number one here. So now with the added responsibility, he knows he has to play better. And the question is, will he? And that's up for the upcoming weeks for us to see if he can be that guy that the Browns paid that money for. Now, I would say if I had to take away any positives from a turnover-filled game last night, it will be that I saw flashes of that Amari Cooper and Deshaun Watson connection. And maybe that is the connection for the protection with this offense because they were doing things. I mean, Amari Cooper made good catches. He's still a good route runner. And Deshaun Watson seemed like he formed some type of chemistry with him. Now, the other receiver from the New York Jets, Elijah Moore, you know, if the ball was placed a little bit better and maybe, you know, he got his foot in bounds, those were big plays taken off the board as well. So I did see some flashes of the offense being able to develop a passing game. Now it's about them using what worked and expanding on that and continuing to go this passing game. Like I said before, you look at the North, we should be having, you know, as far as just football talk. The contract is why we are, you know, really coming at the Browns, and I get it. You know, Kenny Pickett is not paid like Deshaun Watson. You know, um, Lamar Jackson is kind of paid like Deshaun Watson. Joe Burrow is paid like Deshaun Watson. So those are different conversations. But right now, there's reasonable cause for concern when you talk about all the teams in the AFC North, even the Ravens, who looked good last week. I'm always crossing my fingers when it comes to health over there. And that was evident last week with Odell Beckham Jr. getting hurt. We know Lamar Jackson's injury history. So I think the reason why I'm bringing all this up is because I still think that they can make the playoffs despite Nick Chubb not being out. But once again, it falls in the lap of Deshaun Watson and him being able to be similar to what he was in Houston, if not better. Now, I do want to talk about the Nick Chubb before you go on to the Steelers. Because um, I have a lot to say here. And, um, you know, I think the injury is a bad look for the NFL, who earlier yesterday, they filed a grievance with the NFLPA and basically said that they were encouraging, 
running backs to exaggerate injuries. And we all know that the running backs are trying to get any leverage they can to get paid. paid. And um, I even threw out that notion of running backs potentially faking injuries just to get some type of leverage here because they are being ran into the ground. And it's not right, you know. And I understand how the game works. I understand that these running backs are used to get thrown into the ground. We always hear them, you know, that saying, run them into the ground and, and use them. But when you see injuries like this, you know, Nick Chubb may never play football again, okay? And every time you, you know, go in the trenches, you could get hit in the knees, you know, you could get hit with the helmet on your knee, and you could blow your knee out completely. So there have to be some type of, way that these NFL running backs can get compensated with my guy Ford, who's going to be taking over the backfield um, for the Browns, barring them bringing anybody in or spitting the reps, at least he's not going to be able to make $1 million until 2026, which means the Browns are going to be able to run him out of his own pockets, basically without him having that long-term security. And that's why it's not up for us to really politic. The running backs got to do their job. They can't get frustrated. They don't have the leverage to be getting frustrated with Zoom meetings that don't go well. They got to come to a, a compromise. They got to come to an agreement that's going to allow them to get paid. Saquon Barkley accepted a one-year deal. He was lucky that he didn't get hurt long-term. He just got hurt two to three weeks. Could have been worse. And now what happened if that happened to Saquon Barkley last night with that one-year deal? He's done. No long-term security. Same thing with Eckler. Same thing with um, who I'm missing here, um, Josh Jacobs. They need long-term security. So I'm not sure if they want to do like a hazard pay where they get incentives for their position and how you know dangerous their position is. But what I saw last night was very unfortunate, and it's unfortunate to the whole running back market right now because what happened to Nick Chubb can definitely happen to other players. And I'm sorry to say this. But um, in similar ways, it will happen to other running backs in the league because of the nature of the position. So they need to look out for themselves. And I'll leave us with that. Yeah, I, I think what makes it so complicated is in any situation like this in business, you have to look at it from both sides. And it's one of those things where I really do see where both sides are coming from. When you're an NFL running back, you're putting your body at risk even more than most other positions uh, on the field, considering how much you're getting the ball, considering the fact that you know you're going to get hit more likely than not, and that's going to cause some injuries and those stack up over the course of time. But these injuries are also exactly the reason why owners don't want to give these guys, you know, long-term three- or four-year deals. So I don't really know what the answer is, but one thing we could agree on is when it comes to the CBA and at the, uh, at the negotiating table, that's when they really have to put their flag in the sand and say, you know what, we're not falling for this anymore because I feel like at the end of the day, it is business, and, and I can't blame these owners for not wanting to give these guys long-term deals considering these guys do get hurt pretty often. And if you do give a guy, a running back, a four- or five-year deal, one injury, and, and it might not be the same again. So it is definitely a concern for the league right now that I think Roger Goodell is going to have to find some answer for. I still don't really know exactly what that is, but the thing with football that's so interesting and so fascinating to me is it's very clear that – some positions just have more value than others. When you lose your starting quarterback, like the Jets did with Aaron Rodgers, like that's the type of injury that could end your season. When your left tackle blows out his knee and he's out for the rest of the season, like that could ruin anything. And even though 
I want, we both want, or I at least want to declare the Browns dead. I mean, Jerome Ford does look like a really good player. And I do think he could at least help replace that production a little bit. I think this circumstance is a little different considering we both agree like Chubb is at the top notch, one of, if not the clear cut best running back in the league. But at the end of the day, there are plenty of other guys that can at least contribute in that way. So I definitely think it's a very interesting topic and question uh, for the league going forward. But at the same time, I could see like a right guard complaining like, oh, I'm the best right guard in the league, but I'm not making as much money as a left tackle. Like, like we're, we're getting screwed. Where's the sympathy for us? So I do think the argument could be spun a lot of ways. It can, but we have to realize that the NFL is a billion-dollar entertainment industry. And the fact that they have a hard salary cap on these players is the problem to begin with. And if they didn't have such hard salary cap where organizations are trying to maximize how they develop the pie, I call it a pie, where you pay your running back, where you pay your lineman, where you pay the important positional pieces to building your football team, how you pay the running back, they won't have to be so economizing with that hard salary cap that the NFL have. So I think what we do need to acknowledge as well is the fact that there's a salary cap, a hard salary cap, and that shouldn't even be there to begin with. And the NFL has the money. The NFL is a billion dollar industry. So I think when you take that in consideration, along with things in the CBA that was milked for this, um, advantage of taking over or using a running back and running him into the ground while getting an extra year to pay your quarterback, which they did in the new CBA where they pushed the year back for a player to get another contract after his rookie contract. It used to be two years. Now it's three years that affected the running back. If anything, the most because of their prime years, which is the first two years of the NFL NFL's career or whatever. So I think there's a lot of things at play here And I just can't sit here and, you know, just condone using these running backs as crash test dummies where they just, you know, you know how a crash test dummy is in the car and they crash and that's it. You know, it got to be done. Something can be done. And if there's a will, there's a way. Now, what I will say, though, and this is my last point on this, is the players have to take the initiative. The NFL is not going to fight your battle for you. And I made that very publicly clear, like a couple shows ago. They are going to have to flex their muscle during the next CBA and figure out a way instead of getting frustrated and signing deals, one-year deals right after a meeting where y'all supposed to be coming together. Frustration is not going to help your situation. It's only going to make it worse. So they got to figure it out and do the NFL's job. And if they can, then maybe there is a solution when that time comes. Yeah, just one response to the point on um, the cap situation. That's what makes the NFL so good is, like, they have that really strict cap to make the league so competitive, and it's working, right? Like, it's it, we're, uh, ju- we just finished week two, and there's still a ton of questions we have on these teams. So I definitely think this is a, a storyline to follow going forward. But uh, before we wrap with this segment, I do have a couple thoughts on the Steelers. So there's no doubt, right, that this offense has been very disappointing. Kenny Pickett has not played well over the course of the first two games of the season. But I just wanted to say a few things, right? Obviously, Matt Canada has to go. I think he's the worst play caller in the NFL. And although it's very fair to question Kenny Pickett and if he's the future at the quarterback position in Pittsburgh, 
I would like to see him with a real offensive coordinator that's actually in, uh, innovative and could put him in a position to succeed. And the Steelers' offensive line did not play well either. Now, props to the Browns' defense. I already mentioned it. I was really impressed with them last night. They really came to play, and they really did give a Cleveland a legit chance to win that game. But last night for Kenny Pickett and the Steelers' offense, it felt like look, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. There weren't a lot of great moments. But he did make the one big throw to Pickens, hung in there, a big hit, hits him in stride, 70-yard touchdown. And as bad as he was, the Steelers still won the game, and he outplayed Deshaun Watson, who is making a lot more money than he is, and the expectations are obviously a lot higher for him over there. I thought Cleveland, keep in mind, the Browns have not won in Pittsburgh in the regular season. I know they won that playoff game in 20 years. The Steelers haven't started 0-2, losing both games at home in like 100 years. Like That hasn't happened in a really long time. And the Cleveland Browns, the franchise that's known to be this laughing stock of the NFL, really had an opportunity to bury the Pittsburgh Steelers last night and to bury the Bengals and say, you know what? It's This division is going to come down to us and the Ravens. We're both 2-0. We're clearly the two best teams in this division. But they gave that game away. Deshaun Watson really gave that game away. And I think, especially with this Chubb injury, it could go down as a missed opportunity. And I'll bury Kenny Pickett if he doesn't play well on Sunday Night Football this week against the Raiders, a, a bad defense. Or if he doesn't play well the following week against the Houston Texans, who look like one of the worst teams in the league right now. What I'm saying is, I don't think the situation around him is very good at all. And I do think there's a legit chance that both San Francisco and Cleveland, each of his first uh, two opponents, I think there's a chance that both those defenses are elite top five units. And I want to see what this guy has to give week three and week four. I mean, look, we knew the devil in the detail from the offseason, but people got caught up with the false advertisement that the Steelers were doing something. People were picking them to win the division and they got fooled by playing the second stringers and third stringers. And they used that as a way to try to be the difference of opinion to pick them to come out. That's their fault. That's their expectations. When we did our quarterback rankings, I had Pickett relatively low. Not because I think he's, you know, a, a bad quarterback. I don't think he's great, and I always made that evident, but I don't think he's bad. I think he's in the middle. I think he could be a starting quarterback in the league. But the reason why I had him where I had him, which was relatively low, we talking about 23, 22, was because I knew the situation. I knew the definite detail. Matt Canada is still here. Mike Thomas did not fire this cat. There's no creativity in play calling. His recipe, his number one dish, is a jet sweep. That ain't doing nothing in today's NFL like that, especially when you do it on second and long or second and ten, second play of the game. So I already knew the devil in the detail. I knew their offense was going to continue to struggle, and I didn't get boo-boo the fool when I saw them in the preseason. Now, I did think that they were probably going to be a little bit better because of what I saw in the preseason, but I still made sure I managed my expectations. At the end of the day, Kenny Pickett is a product of his environment, just like Mac Jones, right? Where the philosophy, the modernization is not here. It's not here. They are two nineteen ninety nine anymore over there in, in, in um, Pittsburgh right now. And um, it starts with the coordinator who should have been fired. And it starts with, I'm going to say the weapons. That's more New England. But there's good and bad. You know, I saw him in the pocket make the throw that you're alluding to with the you know, George Pickens, 70 yard. He had to look off the deep defender, the safety to make that throw. And he stood there and took a hit. 
but I also saw some mistakes. So, you know, I don't believe in the Steelers this year at all. I made that very clear. And I don't think Kenny Pickett is Canada proof. Please like and subscribe for all the up-to-date content. We're, we, we're slinging shows left and right, slinging content left and right. Please don't miss anything. If you do, like, subscribe, leave a comment, or leave a question, something you may want to answer, something you may have. It's, all ideas are great ideas. Nothing's a dumb question.